Support for this podcast comes from UCSF Medical Center. UCSF Medical Center is ranked the number one hospital in California by U.S. News and World Report. UCSF Health, redefining possible. Champs and welcome to For Fuck's Sake. <laughs> My name is Jason. I am joined once again by Dave. Uh, Dave, I must apologise to you. Usually we, uh, we record a lot earlier than what we are right now, but due to a few faulty tram lines on the first day of the, the first, you know, the first day of people going back to work, the, the tram system couldn't cope, and I ended up being about an hour and well, uh, half an good. Late. It's all good. I'm on holidays still, mate, so there was no particular rush this afternoon, and uh, yeah, just looking forward to get, getting stuck in. Yeah, so we are, this obviously, obviously is for Buck's sake, I am Jason, joined by Dave. This week we don't have any guests, um, it's the holiday period, so you can't really expect people to come out, they're, they're busy people with families and, and things like that. A lot so. of people are away this time of year, yeah. and we've been uh, talking furiously in the background to several people, and hopefully we'll have some quality guests coming up in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm hoping, hoping for some big names. Mm. Um, hopefully our, our personalities are radioing enough to, uh, to provide an entertaining podcast. No doubt. How was your New Year's? I know you didn't probably do too much with the kids, but how, how did it go? Yeah, look, um, we went over to uh, uh, Bud's place uh, during the day. Um, our air conditioning of all, of all times of year to break down, broke down at home. We were planning this big New Year's day or sorry new year's eve lunch and um we had to can that because uh 40 degree day no air conditioning yeah. wasn't going to go well yeah i didn't have, actually had the best one of my whole life i, I dj'd at a house i'm party sure it was a hell of a lot better than mine yeah let, let me tell you about mine okay. so uh what i do i had i had work i finished off at two o'clock then i probably drank about 10 beers at home and then went to this house party in west brunswick and i just command the dj decks i mean I'm, I'm i'm a very humble humble person normally but i think this really deserves some credit i command the dj decks from there were you um scheduled to be on them or was oh, it yeah, just was. uh just uh, one of those um you know, open, open mic night, let me, open let me uh, DJ night, yeah. No, no, I had the one, one till three set. So, actually, funnily enough, another victory lad, um, Rancid Liam off the forum, did the yeah. 11, a, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. shift, and he actually brought in the new year with horses by Dale Redford. No Redway. way. Yeah, so he's, everyone's into it, aren't they? It's a bit of an – that would have been an inside joke that maybe yeah. two or three people would have appreciated at a house party like that. Well, so. no, the, all the Brunswick hipsters loved it. It's, it's kind of ironic. Oh, right. So, they enjoyed it. And right now, that makes Dole, sense. Dale Braithwaite has had a bit of a renaissance as well. He's actually doing a lot of gigs. He's, he did the, the Big Bash a few days ago. Um, he did a few you know country pubs like the Geelong pub and things like that. So Is this forcing a rethink for you, mate, as to whether horses gains traction on the terrace? No, I'm still dead set against it. I'm <laughs> hoping that Buds, who's the, the champion of this, this little fad, loses interest quite soon. Well, he's losing interest in the A-League, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he's quite yeah he's quite uh, quite dismayed with the with the A League at the moment. If you read his Twitter account, he's not into it anymore. <laughs> 
But uh, we'll get into the show. So what have we got today? We've actually got a pretty big show, despite the fact that we have no guests. We've got uh, – we're back on the winner's list. Lots we- to talk about. Yeah, we're going to talk about a win for the first time in – you know, approaching, what is it, six or seven weeks? Yeah, six or seven weeks and uh, our first clean sheet since the FA Cup victory as well, which is a good sign. Uh, we've also got Member of the Week that returns, as does Victory Secret, which hasn't been around for a couple of weeks. Uh, and we're also going to do something special because we are halfway through the, the year. Yeah. We're going to talk about, we're going to grade each player um, as best we can. It's the mid-year. A bit of a report card. The mid-year review. We're going to scold some players. We're going to reward some players. Mostly scold, probably, given the fact that we're, we're pretty pessimistic people. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's not, it's not too bad. Look, uh, we'll explain a little bit how we're going to do that. We're going to talk about the players and assess their performances to, so far, halfway through the year. And obviously that will feed into a discussion on how the management uh, have performed so far, as well as the club as a whole. Sounds like a thrilling episode to me. Uh, this week's music theme, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a fan, going back onto my, my DJ set on New Year's Eve, I'm a bit of a fan of, uh, of indie rock, the, me too. You know, the early 2000s, the Strokes, Block Party, so forth. So I'm going to go with that this week. The, the music theme is early 2000s indie rock. So let's get started. This is for fuck's sake. All right. For fuck's sake, is sponsored by Ambrosia Floral Designs. You can find them at 1 slash 15 Assembly Drive in Tullamarine. You can also give Leanne a call on 9338-3609. They'll take care of all your floral needs. So, how things uh, change. Last night, we're on the... uh, We're on a five-game winless streak, and now we're on a two-game undefeated streak. Victory win, but I don't think that the fact that a a scratchy 1-0 win... Um, can really hide the fact that it still was was scratchy and the, the performance wasn't great. It was ugly, but it was the sort of result we needed. And whilst it was an ugly win, it was a sublime pass that created the goal. Uh, it's funny how things pan out sometimes. Uh, last week with our guest, Ben, ben Kazupi, uh, we discussed how you know it was Costa and FBK that were the ones struggling to create space in behind defenders because of that slow transition and the fact that opposition sides are sort of worked out how to nullify, you know, the way in which we score goals. Um, and in the end, that was the way we broke the deadlock. Yeah, we, we said that we, we wanted them to link up again, and that they did with a sublime pass from Costa Barbarousas. Overall, as we mentioned, it was a, a scratchy match from from more than a few players. Um, a, a back four held, held together quite well. Yeah. As, as we mentioned at the top, it was the first um, clean sheet since the FFA Cup victory against Perth Glory. And the first... Uh, goal we've scored in open play in a very long time. Uh, and look, can't stress enough how important it is to notch up three points, uh, pretty much the exact sort of halfway mark of the season. Even wins like that help you sort of... It changed the mental mental condition of the side. And, you know, when you, when you come home from a trip like that and you've got points on the board, it, it hopefully will galvanise the squad uh, in the coming weeks. And how did you find the change of lineup with Finkler out? Obviously, we uh, we have pushed FBK into the middle. How did you find that? That really liked change it. Up yeah, there? look, um, it was 
only a matter of time before uh, Thompson put his hand up for a start. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty good. And I, I, I like the fact that, um, you know, we, we changed it from the point of view of no no Macaroonis this time from, from the beginning. I Thank think he Lord. struggled. Uh, as for Newcastle, yeah, their, their tactical approach to this game was very similar to the one they took to us earlier in the season. I mean, after all, why why not why change a, a winning approach? Um, except this time, of course, they lacked the sort of finesse of someone like David Carney to hurt us with some kind of sucker punch goal. Um, Newcastle knew that to defeat us, they had to slow the play down and restrict the amount of possession we had out wide. Um, you know, and we persisted with you know, pretty much the same tactical approach of previous weeks, except this time we finally managed to score. And in the end, it was that solitary goal that was all that was needed. Yeah, so, I mean, so far so good as you know, as far as that, that goes. Um, are you buoyed by that, though? I mean, coming into the next few weeks, we've got some, some decent home games. Are you buoyed by that performance? Do you think we can push on from there? or Not just yet. The, yeah. jury, the jury is definitely still out, but, you know... It, it, it's one of those hallmarks of, of what you say about championship teams, that if you're winning games, even if you're not performing that well, um, then that bodes well for when you do start to click because then the wins come a lot more freely. Um, and just a few you know, more thoughts on the game. It, one thing I noticed statistically that was really weird, Newcastle actually had much more of the possession in this game. I think it was almost 60-40. And you know, I think our mindset this time, even though the tactics were sort of the same, the formation. The mindset was a little different in this game. We weren't as adamant as keeping the ball and dictating the play in this particular clash. Yeah, I actually noticed that in recent weeks. It seemed like Victory were never really eager about their play or, you know, they weren't always looking to push it. They were just happy to hold the ball and they thought that if you hold the ball for longer than the, than the opposition, then you'll, you'll magically win. But yeah. we're always getting done with, with you know, goals and, and things like that. So, I mean, good to see us lose the possession count then win the match because that's obviously the most Absolutely, important Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I want to ask you a question about Oliver Bazanic. He's, um, he's copped it a little bit in recent weeks from some sections of the fans. Yeah, from me. Yeah, from you. So <laughs> how do you feel that? Because he's played, as far as I'm aware, he's, he's played more minutes than any other person on the team. Yeah. Uh, he started off the season quite well. We'll discuss, obviously, people's, you know, um, their performances over the course of the season in the, the later segment. Um, but are you, what do you think about all of, all of this? He's stage? been the one to suffer the most from uh, uh, the absence of Cal Valeri. That's the first thing. Uh, and as a result, I think he's probably, yeah, he's, as we discussed many times over, his, his inclination on the football pitch is to get forward. Uh, whilst Milligan, who he has obviously replaced, had that defensive mindset as a player from, from the outset. You know, he started as a right back and a central defender and moved into midfield as his career progressed. But Ollie's always been more of a uh, forward-facing midfielder. Um, look... The reason why he comes under this kind of scrutiny is because he's on big coin. And when you're paying, well, when you're getting paid the big, big wages, uh, you're expected to perform. And I think what we want to see is Ollie just start to take games by the scruff of the neck a little bit more. Uh, and as I said, part of that is due to not having Valeri around. And well, let's hope that that end soon and then uh, Carl makes his way back in. And so Ollie, Ollie will, I think, be a little bit more inclined to get forward and, and, and perhaps... Uh, take charge, I guess. Yeah, yeah, just take charge of the match. Um, yeah, he seemed to be lacking confidence yesterday, especially with that, uh, with that shot that 
he he missed. Uh, well, you know, it was it would have gone through if it wasn't for a defender on the uh, last yeah. line of defence. And I guess sometimes that's all you need. You just need a goal to get that confidence up. FBK got the goal yesterday, which hopefully yep. builds his confidence after a lean week last week. But the uh, the previous week for the Melbourne Derby was a sublime sublime game from him. Um, hopefully, he just gets that that confidence back. Yeah, and the other guy who's been much maligned in recent weeks is Daniel Georgievsky. I think he seemed to finally get a bit of his radar back uh, in this game. A couple of really good long-range passes. Uh, he also seemed to track back a little better. Uh, and was putting some decent tackles, um, making his way back. So, yeah, let's just hope that this is a bit of a turning point. Uh, you, you touched on how we've got some home games coming up. Um, in fact... We have three games in a row now that are in Victoria. Um, oddly enough, this Central Coast game's in Geelong, uh, which suits us, obviously, more than it does Central Coast. It's a great opportunity for Kev's men to get back on track. Yeah, those poor A-League teams should start selling their home games to watch more, us more often. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be nice. So, yeah, I, I guess at the moment there's not too much to take away from a, a 1-0 win against a, a team who are arguably the worst team in the league at the moment. But at least the hoodoo's, hoodoo's over. The hoodoo's over. There's no more bogey side, uh, well, at, least, at least not for now. The only thing that is worrying, you know, wh- whether or not we can maintain this is um, the fact that we're now going to lose five five of our players to Oli Roo's duty um, for the next month, I think. So that couldn't have come at a worse time, really. I mean, o- only two of those guys are starters, so it's not as though the, the whole team is being completely dismantled. But, And we'll talk about this when we go on to yeah. the next week and what effect the five will have on not being there. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's it. Let's roll into Member of the Week. Yeah, what do you do, you know? Um... When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's... Remember Jurakovic. Putting the ball at the back of the net. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's... Remember Jurakovic. It'll be a quick memory of the week this week. People have actually been behaving themselves a little bit over the re- last recent, well, last few weeks. We've, uh, I've struggled to come up with memories of the week. I've been putting the call out on Twitter and people reply back to me. And they're, they're, their suggestions are appreciated, but they're not the best. I mean, I had um, a few that, that were okay, but nothing that really worthy of memory of the week. But we'll give it to Ben Williams this week. He's a, a two-time recipient <laughs> now. Um, and we'll give it to him for his his, uh, his actions on well not his actions but his refereeing on Friday night the Melbourne City is it, was it Melbourne no was it Western Sydney yeah I can't remember. yeah Western Sydney game I was, and, I was too busy watch, I was too watching too busy watching the Big Bash League to uh, to care about uh, any kind is of that right? neutral <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but yeah neutral A League kind of bores me a little bit but uh, yeah he made some bad decisions I, I did see the the replays of that um, of of the the penalty call that uh, that was weighed away he to his credit I guess he, he did go on 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 uh, Fox Football afterwards, and that uh, was surprising. Yeah, yeah, the fact that he put his hand up and I think the other are trying to make every concerted you know attempt to to try and win over the fans with their PR now because they've had a shocker of a few months. Yeah, well, the thing I said uh, during the week about the FFA was that you know we've just seen in the new year. My advice for the FFA is to treat 2016 like George George Costanza treats uh, the, uh, his actions in that episode of Do Everything the Opposite. The opposite you know? yeah. And so all we need from, uh, jo- sorry, not George, the FFA is to just think about what they're going to do and then do the exact opposite. And we're likely to have an amazing year if they do that. And so far it's working. But for now, Ben Williams, <laughs> member of the week. Because heaven ain't close in a place like this. 
Another one of our sponsors on For Fuck's Sake is the Our IT Services. You can give Pete a call on 1-800-843-695. Dave, how did you go with that? Did you? Uh, He's coming to my work uh, on Wednesday to sort the problem out. So he, he actually will come to where you are to sort out the issue. So really good service. Talk about service. Okay. We are at the halfway point of the season. Well, yep. close enough. I think we've played 13 games now out of, out of 27. And... Um, it's been an up-and-down season for the victory. We're going to go through each player as, as best we can, players who have played minutes um, and, and contributed to the team this, this season. How have you seen... We'll start. Where are we going to start from? Are we going to start from the defence? We'll... Yeah, so what we'll do is uh, grade players, you know, A, B, C and so forth. Um, and I'll, I'll just launch into this by sort of talking about the way in which I've come to these conclusions, uh, the criteria that have been designed around it. So players will be judged uh, and graded based on their squad status. And sort of what I mean by that is that if they're a well-paid senior player, um, then obviously they're going to be judged differently to a young player who's on minimum wage. Um, obviously, we can't judge the kids who have played a handful of games and earning 70k a season the same way as we would um, you know, an international player earning 300k. On top of that, I've sort of factored in what they've done considering the time they've played as well. So there's some sort of natural standardisation happening when you're comparing someone that's played every minute of every game versus 10 minutes for the entire so season. Are you playing your, your role essentially in the team? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I've seen this before. I've given you the job of going through each player and grading them. Um, we're going to go through each one. And I'm going to agree or disagree. I'm, we'll have a, sure. a, a robust discussion. It'll be let's do it. quite interesting. So who are we going to start with? We're going to start with, uh, with let's start. You know, let's start from... Uh, the custodian role and move our way through defence, midfield and, and attack. Um, and first first bloke to talk about is our new goalkeeper for this season, Danny Vukovic. Danny Vukovic. Uh, I've been quite vocal. I'm not I'm not a fan of him. Um, he's, what I've noticed is most, most about him is the fact that his distribution is awful mm. um, compared to previous keepers we had. We had we, we bought a keeper, obviously, going back a few years ago in the Ange Postacoglu years, um, Nathan Coe, who was essentially bought solely for his distribution skills. That's he right. Was, he was a player who, could, who was an outfield player um, originally, and then he, I think he was injured, and then he became a goalkeeper in, he, in his junior years. Uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't really be a goal. He wasn't a good goalkeeper. Let's, let's face that. But he could distribute the ball quite well, and he won us a lot of points off that, although he also lost us a few points through some brain snaps. Danny Vukovic can't distribute the ball, and at the moment he's not keeping well. He's letting through a few a few weird things that probably he wouldn't let through back in his previous days yeah. at you know, previous clubs. Uh, so I've been happy with his performance. What do you rate him? Well, we saw him as being a slight upgrade to Co when he arrived, yeah. just to put that in context. And based on that, I've... I've adjudged uh, a C- minus to Danny Vukovic for his season so far. Uh, so there's obvious scope for improvement there. But, yep. you know, there have been quite a few glaring errors along the way that, you know, you can't point the finger at defences, you know, some sort of basic goalkeeping errors, you know, when he was beaten at the near post the other week. And as you've commented on the distribution, so it's a C-. minus. 
actually what I'll, what I'll tell people to do when you watch Danny Vukovic play a game next just watch him either kick a ball when he when he um, catches it or just from a goal kick he's run ups from a goal kick and maybe one or two steps and he runs like straight at the ball doesn't run on an angle so he runs straight at the ball and tries to hook it and it goes straight out also when he's kicking out from you know when he just catches a ball or saves it he just you know hoofs it up in the air and kicks yeah. it he'll do it off one or two steps I don't think he's giving himself the, the best chance to actually distribute the ball properly so something to watch out for if you're yeah. actually going well, look, we're halfway through the season obviously the you know we'll, we'll see how it pans out for the rest of it um, but something I've always considered with goalkeepers is I always feel that they should be you know the tallest player on the pitch and you know really agile in that way dumpy old Vukovic and you know it's just something about his physique that doesn't scream goalkeeper yeah and and that's not to say he hasn't been a great goalkeeper he's been one of the better A-league goalkeepers but look yeah time will tell yeah, and something about his sleeve tat that says he should probably be at you know stereosonic or something like He's that. He's got a sleeve tat. Okay. He does. Yeah. Uh, see, maybe you know, I should downgrade it. Yeah. Downgrade him to a D for that. <laughs> <laughs> so no other keepers have played. I've been crying out for Lawrence Thomas. At least, at least give the kid a go. Yeah, Thomas and Spinella not applicable as far as ratings are concerned. They've had no minutes in the A League so far this season. Yeah, let's move on to the defence. Up and down for the defence this year, as mentioned. You know, partly to blame for for some of the goals, although not all to blame. Um, but also some shining lights as well. Up and down is exactly how I'd describe it. And I actually think that this is where more of the positive news comes from overall. Uh, I'm going to start with Jason Gary, And I've given Jason an A for his season so far. Yep. He has been incredible. Um, really the most improved player in the squad. Um, I think... He, defensively, he has the smarts, but he's just got an engine on him uh, that is incredible to watch up and down the park and, you know, just, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. yeah, I think in, in regards to that, he did lose his spot last year to Lee Broxham. In, you know, he, Lee Broxham worked towards getting that right-back spot for the grand final. He, he beat Garrier for that. Um, I think that the Garrier, in terms of your grading, he's playing his role perfectly. He's, yeah. he's a cheap Send it, uh, right back, and he's playing his role exquisitely well. Still really young. Yeah. That That's the other sort of criteria we need to um, consider in all of this. And, you know, I, I'd say at the moment, can you pick a better right back in the A-League than Jason Guerrier at the moment? No, I couldn't think of any, but yeah. uh, once again, my neutral A-League game yeah, is Yeah, look, we're, we're, okay. we're both obviously looking yeah. through navy blue lens when we're, we're thinking about yeah. all this, but I, I tend to try and look at other teams as well, and I think Garia right now is the best right back in the, in the league. Yeah, and he's you know obviously showing with uh, with Oli Roostry and things like that. Um, I don't think a, a Socceroos call-up would be too far away if, uh, you know, uh, you know just gets some exposure in, in that uh, first team squad. Yeah, look, a guy like Franjic has really struggled since returning from uh, Russia and, you know, missed another game this week and doesn't seem to be the player he once was when he was at Brisbane. Uh, so, yeah, it's yeah, I'm certainly not there for the taking. Be, I'm certainly not saying he'll be a first-team player, but I'm saying, you know, get, get him in the sure. squad and, you know, put him on the bench for a few a few games against Tajikistan and stuff like that. You know, just get him some exposure. Yeah, don't disagree. The other guy is probably Josh Risden that yeah. I probably should mention. And if, if there are Perth fans listening, I doubt it, but they'd probably arc up a bit about... Perth fans are going to listen to their own podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so we discovered. Um, but, yeah, look, Risden, Risden is... You know, now actually in the national frame, so maybe there'll be some disputes there. But I, I just think Garrier has more of more of the complete package about him. Yeah, of course. Let, let's talk about uh, Mathieu Delpierre next. Um, 
I've given him a B. Yeah, I was surprised by this grading because I feel like we've discussed this over the last few weeks. Since he's since he's said that he's going to retire, it seems like he's probably not putting in the uh, the effort that he once was. Perhaps he's just you know decided that uh, it's all a bit too much for him. We're a bit we're a bit too far back now in the uh, in the standings. He hasn't really given a shit, but uh, he he certainly is uh, our most reliable defender. I've got justification for the B, which you know you might see as being a. a um, you know, a pretty favourable grading, but look at the back four around him that has constantly changed throughout this season. You know, he's yep. had different centre centre half pairings. We've had Galifuoco, we've had Broxham, we've had Deng, you know, and, and even I think Georgievsky in pre-season. Yep. So it's just been this merry-go-round that um, he's been a constant part of. So it, it's so important in defence to have that understanding with those around you. So... I think he's held it together fairly well. Obviously, he made that mistake against Perth last week, but we forgave him for that. So it's a B and you know scope for improvement again. Yeah, just on that, um, I'm not sure if you had anything planned for saying anything about Ansel, but I think we identified that at the start of the season. We knew Ansel would be out for a very long time. And yeah. We identified this back four as being a real sticking point for the victory, and it seems like it's probably come to fruition that they've struggled. And that might be because you know we don't have Ansel there as a rock um, to to pair with Delpierre. And while we're on that topic of the central defence pairing, I'll just skip ahead to yep. the guy I want to talk about next, and that's Thomas Deng. He has pretty much put his hand up now um, to be the guy that is always partnering uh, Delpierre at the centre of defence. Um, obviously, we'll miss him <laughs> for Oli Roux's <laughs> duty, and um, yeah, he as soon as he gets that. Uh, confirmation from us. He, he's off to represent the under-23s. But, yeah, A-plus for Thomas Ding um, is my grading. Six appearances, three of those as a starter. Um, standout performer in all of those starts. Yeah, he's been winning Man of Match awards. He's first started, yep. got a Man of Match award. So I completely, yeah, completely agree with that grading. And I'm sure that hopefully we uh, we cling on to him for a few more years yet before he inevitably goes overseas because uh, he seems like an absolute star so far. Love him. Yeah, I mentioned it last week. I just think... Uh, there's so much you can see there um, for potential development um, already. You know, it's not very often that a player of 18 will actually hold down a role like that. Um, and I hope that when he gets back from Oliver's duties, I just hope he doesn't go there to to sit on the bench. And it, it's probably likely because he's one of the younger guys. So we have Aurelio Vidmar to thank for that. But yeah. um, let's hope he doesn't go over there and you know. Doesn't yeah, make any time about that. I really hope he doesn't because right now he's a very important part of our squad. With no Ansel, once again, he's he's the main man. And um, yeah, I guess we'll talk about Broxham in a second. But um, yeah, I'd rather rather certainly Dang in there than Broxham. Yeah, yeah, and and Broxham, while Valeria's out, needs to be in um, the midfield as far as I'm concerned. All right, well, let's try and finish off the defence. Uh, Daniel Georgievsky, uh, I've I've rated him pretty harshly here. Perhaps you might think, but I've given him a D. Yeah, season I, I rate, so far. For some reason, I just like Georgievsky. I yep, he's yep. one of my favourite players. Maybe because at, at Victory Meadow, when in, um, we went there, I went there with a few a few lads um, just a week after the grand final. Is he was just in a real jovial mood, and he was just talking to people. He's just a real good lad to be around. And I also find him to be a really exciting player. He he gives us something that we haven't ever had at a victory defender. He pushes up forward and he scores goals. We never really, we've rarely had that from a victory defender. And I think you, you take the good with the bad because he can create, but he'll also fuck up, which is something that's been happening a fair bit lately. But I think you take the good with the bad. Yeah, the rating for the D has been just how many times he's um, been caught 
ball gazing, yeah. the amount of times that his player has been the one to absolutely destroy us. You know, I think it was Castellan once and it was also uh, Bonavartia. Mm. You know, um, he, he's been the culprit defensively. And look, as I alluded to when we talked about the Newcastle game, you know, he seemed to have some of that back, yeah. which probably, you know, he would have been team of the year last, last yeah. year in the A-League. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I guess his primary job is to defend the goals and he hasn't been doing that. So I guess I can see your rating in that one. But uh, probably a bit I like Georgievsky a bit too much for that. Yeah, probably a bit harsh. But again, the criteria is being you know, he's a senior player. He's a Macedonian international. We may scoff at that, but, you know, he comes up and plays, you know, in Europe, European Championship qualifiers, yeah. World Cup qualifiers. He's a seasoned player player and obviously gets judged by different standards. There's nothing to scoff at being a proud representative, representative right. of the Macedonian country. The former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia, <laughs> as our Greek friends would point out. Who are we moving into? Are we moving okay, into the let's talk. No, we've still got Let's more defenders, few, mate. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Giancarlo Galifoco. Oh, yeah. um, it, look, he's had limited minutes, um, yep. but there's not been much to really sing songs about so far. Um, C plus is what I'm giving him. Maybe a little bit harsh, but you know, he's played, I think, just a handful of games and a couple of times he's looked sort of calm and measured on the ball, but at other times he's looked a bit lost at sea. Yeah, I think we'll give, I think C plus is like the neutral, like, you know, two and a half out of five, mm, you know. Mm, um, I think he'd be really disappointed with how it's gone so far for the victory because, you know, when he, um, he signed for the victory, he spoke to Fox Sports about coming here to play first team football and he's done anything but that. He's, uh, has a yeah, and look, look where he's come from. He's come from setups. Yeah, he, he was at Tottenham. Yeah. And then, then he went on to uh, Swansea, as we know. So, yeah, there were obviously big raps on this guy through his junior days. And, you know, now he's sort of on the um, outskirts of first team football in, in the A-League. So, and yet he's been called up for the uh, Oli Roos as well. He's part of that five of the players that will be departing. So we, you know, it, it emphasises even more how much we're going to need Ansel. That seems to happen so much. I wonder what your thoughts on that are because Melbourne Victory, especially if I just, if I just um, confine this to Melbourne Victory, we get these young players with big raps on them, Kasper Tafta, Vasilevsky, who come in from, you know, from very good youth setups and then they never really produce in, yeah, in Australian football. It's because I think a lot of people have this tendency to view these club names that they see that are on the resumes of some yep. of these players and immediately think, oh, wow, Benfica saw something in Patafta. Yep. You know, the fact that we've got him now, this kid's going to be a star. Yep. Doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes it does. Sometimes there's a natural correlation there. But ultimately, sometimes, you know, people mature through 16, 17, 18 when they come up through some of these academies. But when they when they come and, you know, encounter senior football for the first time, yeah. it's a different battleground, you know. So, yeah, those those examples are great because, you know, we, we often lament how yeah. Patafta, you know, turned into, uh, you know, pretty much a failure. Yeah, well, it could be the wrong move for these kids as well because the European style of football is so completely different to Australia where it's just about, you know, being rough. Yeah, it's in the summer it's, too. So yeah. it's, it's a totally different uh, context as well. Yeah. And if you come with wraps um, on yourself as well, you're going to get shot down pretty quickly by these Theo Markellis. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Valencia. I mean, you look at that and you immediately think, you know, we all naturally would think, oh, he's on Valencia's books. Yeah. There, there must be something to that. Sorry, you yeah, know? I said, I said uh, Vasilevsky. I, I did mean Markellis. Oh, did you? <laughs> okay. no, yeah. Vasilevsky, I don't think he did much, did he? Not, not in his junior I, career. Yeah, look, he was a, 
uh, Melbourne Knights for a while, Daniel yeah. Vasilevsky. And, um, he was fucking shite. That's what he was. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, next is Galloway. What have we got in Galloway? You're, you're We've got Galloway. nothing. You're We've got nothing on um, Scott Galloway. Where is he? We, we, we put out the call last week. Has anyone seen him? He was on the bench apparently last week. Was he? Well, we do, you know, do, do you know he's, he's also been called up for the Ollie Roos? Mm. So uh, it Why looks like all, every, every young victory player It looks like has. all you have to do to be called up to the Ollie Roos is just, be, just play for Melbourne Victory. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's Vidmar's revenge. It's, that's what it is. It's Vidmar's revenge. He wants to... It could be. The Pissant Town era. Yeah. yeah he might he be just this. thinking... And he wants to take all I'm going to screw Kev. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Galloway, I just... You know, it would have been a great opportunity for him, you know, with Garia gone, right? When Garia isn't available, Georgievsky switches over to the right. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves a hole at left back. And you would think Galloway would be the one to step into that. But, of course, he's going to be missing as well. So it will be Manane. And that's an awesome segue because he's the next guy I want to talk about. Yeah. Dan, uh, Danny Manane has been copying it a fair bit, especially on the uh, supporter forum. Yeah, there's a couple of blokes... Um, uh, that I've run into. I had someone come in, come up to me at a pub. Can you please give Manane a <laughs> stick on the pod? Um, Here's your chance. Here's yeah, your opportunity. Look, <laughs> I just find it difficult to lay into a kid on minimum wage. This is what we talked about when we started these player ratings. Um, I've given him a C, which again I think is a bit harsh and maybe <laughs> those Manane haters out there will think I haven't been harsh enough, but you know, he's a squad player. Yeah. The the way in which the A-League works with the salary cap, especially this season at our club, the concentration of talent at the top end is a lot higher, which means that the gap, there is no sort of middle class, if you that know what month, I mean. Yeah, yeah. so you've got the, the, the real high owners at the That's club, right. which are earning big bucks, and because we had to pay them to keep that squad together, which we did, which was amazing. Exactly. But we're going to have those list fillers, those list cloggers. Exactly, and that's guys like Galifuoco and Mahazi and Macarunas and, of course, our mate Manane. Yeah. Look, here's the other reason I don't like canning him. He's a product of our own youth system. So whenever a player comes out of the youth team and, and, you know, starts to poke their head into the senior side and get the odd game, I like to give them every opportunity to prove themselves and yep. develop before completely writing them off. He hasn't been great. Like, yeah. he, you know, he, he's been given a lot of opportunities and so I've given him a C. Let's move on. Yeah. Who we got next? Uh, we've One more and it's Nick Ansel and, yep. look, That's a not, not applicable. applicable. Yeah. Let's talk about the midfield, Jace. Yeah, uh, so we'll start off with the captain uh, who has been missing throughout the last few weeks. But he was he was at Valeri was at the, in the team at a time when we were cruising. We weren't playing good football, but we were cruising at, on top of the table. I think Lynchy hit the nail on the head when he uh, appeared on for Vuck's sake a couple of weeks ago. He said that Valeri is one of the most unobtrusive players going mm. around because you only begin to notice his importance when he's not there. Yeah. Um, and that's clearly evident with our form uh, in recent weeks. So yeah. I've given him a B. Um, I did have B plus initially, but yeah. I've changed that up. I just, yeah, obviously you can't do anything about it now. He's injured and everything. But even when he was there, you know, he wasn't setting the world alight. He's the captain, so we've got to judge him by higher standards. Yeah, well, the last game he started was the FFA Cup victory. He played one game since then, which he was got the, sent off, didn't he? Yeah, and he played one game since then, which is the he came on after 20 minutes and he didn't obviously didn't do too much. But we won that game as well. I think that could have been almost the last game we won against Adelaide. 
So, you know, he's uh, Carl Valeri might be our good luck charm and we hope he gets back very soon. I think January 18 is the doctor's appointment that uh, we spoke yep. about on Vitru's Secret a few weeks ago. So that's two weeks from now, yeah. Yeah, so it's still a little while away. So with that in mind, you actually wonder why Kev didn't sign a, a, um, an injury replacement given the fact that it's still a while away and he's been gone for almost two months as it is. It's a curious one. Um, midfield isn't exactly a place where we have tons of depth right now, um, but it's given Mahazi and Macarunas a lot more game time uh, as a result. And look, this little Finkler slight injury that he has right now hasn't helped either. Oli Bazanic uh, is the next midfielder we want to talk about. C+. Yeah, I'd say it's probably about right. Neutral. Um, He started off the season quite well. I think he gave us hope that he'd be pretty much a world beater, but has has kind of retreated a little bit um, over recent weeks and hasn't done a lot to give us too much hope that he's uh, in control of this midfield. There's no doubt he's a classy player. He's he's our marquee player um, alongside Marisha for this season. So that's why, you know, we've got to consider... That when we grade his performances yeah, to date, he hasn't been the bad. Highest, but he's essentially, but the highest paid player in the team, or one of the highest. One paid off, yeah. yeah. So I mean, look, it, the, way, the way I look at it is, I, I, I want to see some more ownership out there on the park. Like sometimes you just find yourself watching a game and you think, where the hell's Bazanich? You know, and then he'll appear and um, craftily get his way out of a situation. So he, he's got stacks of ability. I just want to see. You know, more more consistent effort. Yeah, let's go back to the start of the season when we were in talks seemingly with Bozanic and Teresi. If you had your time again, would you still sign Bozanic? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, Teresi is a player that, you know, is more comfortably in a in a position where we've already got, yeah. you know, guys like FBK, Finkler, Calfalo, and plays more advanced. You know, Bozanic still has uh, you know, a bit more of that central, central focus. Yeah, which is what we need, yeah. Uh, moving on to the Fink. Guy Finkler, it's a B plus. Um, and I, I've given that based on the fact that I don't think, you know, when you compare him to the only... I've only given two A's, you know, Guerrier and Deng. And um, I think when you, on balance, consider Finkler's contribution so far this season, he's been great. Um, goals from set pieces. He's been a bit of a shining light even in some of those really dull performances that we've uh, dished up and, you know, a constant trier. So it, it, it's not been brilliant, but yeah. it's been pretty good. I would say I would say maybe a B minus because he's one of my favourite players as well, and I've obviously talked in this podcast already that I feel like at certain times he's he's better than than Hernandez at his best, but oh not maybe not his best, but he's he's better than Hernandez in certain parts. But I've noticed that Finkler probably does go missing a little bit too much, especially this season. Uh, he really does need to to always be prevalent in games, I think, and that's that's probably the next step for him. Also, some rumours that he might be departing at the end of the year. Is that right? Yeah, that's not a victory secret, but I've just heard some things that perhaps he's uh, he's off, you know, back to uh, to Brazil or something like that. He's he's reaching thirty years old, so you know, some some footballers retire at that age. So not okay. too sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll watch this space. Yeah. Uh, Lee Broxham, um, I've given him a B plus as well, and that's not so much because he's been he's been outstanding or you know to the level of Finkler in his output so far it's just be, he's asked to perform so many yeah. different roles you know one week he's a center half the other week he's a defensive midfielder you know we've seen him play at fullback at various times as well and he's 
worn the armband um, yep. in Valeri's absence through a really tough period. So it, it, it hasn't been easy for Lee, but, you know, you just know with him he's always – he loves this club and he, he'll always put himself out there for it. He deserves a B-plus just for the FFA Cup um, speech that he did. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, totally. No, but, yeah, I think he, you're exactly right. I think that's really fair given the fact that he's asked to play a different role almost every week seemingly. Um, he does he does fit into it and uh, he's become one of our you know, most reliable players in, in some some aspects. And that's and that's not an easy thing for anyone that's played football who knows, you know, that you know, if you're if you're accustomed to being a central defender week after week and then you're asked to, you know, all of a sudden change your orientation and you know become a midfielder, you know, it, obviously the, the best sort of players will adapt better. But um, it, it's not an easy thing, so that's why he has to be graded well. Yeah, we said at the start of the season that we weren't expecting him to get you know much much uh, starting time. He's you know started the vast majority of games, so he's uh, once again he stepped up into a role that he wasn't expected to play at the start of this season. So sure, good on him. Next is Mahazi. Yeah, Mahazi B minus. Um, look, I'm I'm reluctant to to go any lower than that, although I was thinking C+, which is more or less the same. Yeah. Perhaps we can agree to disagree there. But, it, yeah, he, he has moments where you think, oh, okay, he's coming on. You know, you can see he had a couple of good games, but then there are other times where you just think there's no future here. Yeah, I, I, I like that the next player is a segue into this because I'm going to say something. I'm, I'm going to say out of the, um, the players we identified that need to step up, he has been someone who has stepped up a little bit. Um, as I said, he's, there's still certain times where you're like, what are you doing? You're not really, yeah. you're not going to make it in the A-League. But um, he's a very cheap option. I'm sure he's on minimum wage and he's, you know, he's yeah. starting for us. And um, what Jason's talking weeks. about, there's like, we surveyed yeah. um, Melbourne Victory supporters very early on in the podcast about, you know, players in the squad who were fringe players who perhaps, you know, had something to prove. Yeah, and Mahazi was highlighted as one of those and he's been given a lot of game time because of Valeri being out. Yeah. So that segues into another player who we identify at the start of the year who needed to step up or pretty much lose his, his professional career and that's Jesse Macarunas and I don't think he's come close to... Uh, to, to doing anything decent to uh, to prove that he's a, he's an A League player. I was yeah surprised that he got that contract extension. Yep. I guess you know we don't know all the ins and outs of what's going on at the club, and you know maybe he he trains really well or something like that. There's probably something we don't see or not privy to. But yeah, it's it's hard to really see him at the club beyond this season, but who knows? What was your grading? Because I, I think I see see yeah, I'd say he he should be ranked. Close to the lowest, which is maybe a D, D plus. Okay, but we'll move on to the we'll move the on to the uh, forwards and strikers. So it's a bit of a an amalgam of strikers and you know, attacking wingers, but that's the way we play. So we'll start off with the uh, the Albanian salesman Besar Barisha. Um, I've given him a B. Um, he's our marquee player, obviously. Um, the reason for the B and not any lower is because he's still been scoring, yeah. albeit some penalties. But um, you know, getting on the score sheet is what he is paid to do. Yeah, he's in the t- maybe in the top three or four um, for goal scorers in the A League at the moment. So yeah, based on those results, you can't really argue too much. He's he's a tireless worker always. Exactly. That that's what I was going to say. When we're, we're standing on the terrace watching the game unfold, you don't always see on the telly the kind of work that Bessart does off the ball, chasing down every last crumb 
you know, and that's what you want to see when you pay to watch a game. You want to see the players in your team absolutely scrap for everything, and he does that. Yeah, my only criticism of him is he needs just to pull the trigger a lot earlier. He seems to uh, to want to fake fake shoot and then move on to his uh, other other foot a lot of uh, a lot of the time. And sometimes he's unselfish. Yeah, and he, and you know it's somewhat uncharacteristic because yeah. you, you you sort of look at him and you think, oh, he's just a goal hungry striker. But sometimes he actually looks for the pass when he should shoot. Yeah. Moving on to Barbarousas. Costa Barbarousas. What an what an up and down kind of season for him. He started off like a house on fire. I'd say I'd say he'd you know, be leading almost the uh, is it Johnny Warren Medal? Yeah, it's Johnny Warren Medal. He'll be coming close to leading that over the first few few rounds of the season with um, with Aaron Moy as well. Yep. And then he's fallen away a little bit, but uh, overall his season's been pretty good still. Yeah, it's been good. We've given him or I've given him a B. Um, it's that inconsistency, and we know that that sort of thing will happen with a player like him. You know, if he's not getting the service, if he's not finding space, he's going to struggle and, you know, go missing for large periods. And perhaps he's also a victim of opposition sides working out how to victory exactly victory play because he's pivotal to that being a wide player who you know crosses it into the middle he's he's in you know he's representative of that style and when the opposition teams can work it out there that's the first thing they shut down that wide play definitely and look I'm almost inclined to put a plus in front of that B purely yeah. for that pass uh, yeah. last night that led to the winner but let's just leave it at B for now Calfella um, yeah okay. this is your is this your harshest rating yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, uh, alongside Georgievsky, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. I, I, I put a D next to Cal Feller's name, um, but I've also suggested that it perhaps could rise to a C given the derby effort and last night's goal. Yeah. Um, you know, last night we needed someone to put the ball in the back of the net and it was Fahid. So, look, it's a D because of the high expectations that arose from last season. You know, victory medalist, one of the best imports from last season across the league. And, yeah, we just expect greatness. And, you know, he was really amazing last season. And so maybe it's a bit harsh, but, yeah. No, and once again, another victim of opposition sides working out how we play with that wide play. So uh, we hope, I mean, for he, he needs to play well for us to have any chance of, you know, winning a, a premiership, which is a very long shot or a championship, which is still very much in the offing. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, he needs to play He needs to play better and he needs to step up. I'm not sure. I would, I'd like him to almost play more centrally than, than wide from now on. Um, but I don't think it's obviously going to yeah, happen. Yeah, with Finkler, Finkler back, um, it's probably unlikely because yeah. you don't want to see Finkler anywhere bench. else you know, other than yeah. in that sort of number 10 type role. Uh, Archie Thompson's next. And yeah. look, limited game time. I've just given him a B. Um, Can't complain with what he's done so far, I don't think. Yep. And, you yep. Know, I'm, I'm surprised. Got, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised he got the starting spot last night. Uh, but once again, he did nothing wrong. He's he's always, you know, tireless worker once again, just like just like Bessart. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, hopefully uh, the goals start coming for him. And, <clears> um, yeah, he's still – he's not showing any signs of slowing down at all. No, no. And Connor Payne. He's he's next uh, now, and look, um, I think Connor Payne's the one threatened the most by the arrival of Jai Ingham, which yeah. we will talk about later. But Connor Payne, you know, look, we we've sort of covered off on how you know he's had limited time. You know, there's not much you can do when you're brought on with ten minutes to go. I think he got 
about 25 minutes last night. Is that about right? Yeah, he actually got probably a little bit more than that, maybe. Oh, actually, no, six, Archie came off 66. So, yeah, about that time. Yeah, yeah Around about half an hour, let's yeah. say. And look, well, it, not much to glean from that, really. Yeah. He didn't, didn't really hurt Newcastle, I don't think, when yeah, he came it's, on. It's very much a catch-22, isn't it? Because he's not getting the game time, but when he does get you know an extended amount of minutes, which is you know, 25 minutes or so, he uh, he doesn't do too much. And I think it was the commentators were saying yesterday that uh, he's played 22 matches in a row off the bench or something like that, 22, 23. So yeah. he's certainly not getting any, any opportunities. I think that perhaps if we're to make a move in the January um, period, that perhaps a, uh, a mutual termination of a contract for him might be uh, might be the go? I don't know. I mean, that still means that his wages will fall as part of our cap outlay. I'm not sure I think that's how it works, yeah. yeah. But, um, look, it's a C for uh, Connor Payne. Uh, it's, it's, it's just been... Yeah, it's, it's not much else we can say about that. Yeah, I'm giving Connor Payne a D as well. Oh, yeah. George Howard, <laughs> um, you've actually ranked this guy quite highly. Well, only because he's had about three minutes on the pitch. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> not sure what else to say. Uh, I have seen him play in the um, the NPL, NPL 1 from yeah. last season. And, yeah, he, he does play that sort of wide role. I think he came in and started for Barisha in yeah. that one game. Uh, as close a late to scoring in. once, I yeah. think, as well. Uh, he's obviously a very much a work in progress. You can't expect exactly. too much from him. Yeah. I do like him, though. I, yeah. I think there's, there's a bit of a diamond in the rough there. Yeah. So that's all That's all the players done. We'll move on to the, uh, the head Kev. honcho, the coach, yeah. yeah um, C-plus for Kev. Yeah. It's always hard after winning everything to, to maintain that sort of standard. And we see it in the A-League more than any other league because... You know, it's a salary cap league. And so the, the difference between teams in first through to sixths, let's say, uh, is, is very minimal. And, and, and you're always struggling to keep teams together. And so we, we've managed to do so. But I think the net effect of us keeping Georgievsky, Kalfala and, and so on is that that whole middle class thing that I talked about before is that there's a, you know, huge chasm between the best and the worst squad players that we have right now. But I think the, the main gripe with uh, fans at the moment is that Kevin Musket does not have a plan B. And even yeah. even mm-hmm. last night, he was forced, in, forced into a, a slight mix-up uh, mix or a change-up with Cal Fowler going centrally and, and Thompson starting. But still, I think he's changed that formation on one occasion. Mm-hmm. He, he's all- sticking with a formation that seems like it doesn't work too well because you know we, we were winning games, we weren't playing well. Now we're, now we're not winning games and we're not playing well, obviously, as well. Uh, it seems like that he, he might need to change up the formation, but he's just not doing it. Yeah, he has changed it once, you know, when we went over to yeah. Sydney and, and, and it worked amazingly. So I think – I don't think it, there's too much stubbornness there. I I just think, you know, maybe occasionally I'd like to see us, you know, deploy that extra midfielder when we play a, a team that is in form or noticeably stronger. It'll be very interesting to see what he does against Brisbane. Brisbane are doing pretty well at the moment. Um, they've got some really pacey attackers as well. So C plus, it's, it's, you know, it's a pass mark pretty much, you know, um, there's still a whole half of the season to go. Last week we sort of said that the you know the premiership is no longer possible, uh, but the championship is. I don't actually think the premiership is you know impossible. I think you know if this game, this win against Newcastle, serves as a turning point, then there's always a chance. 
I don't think it could be a turning point though. I think we played so badly. It was it, it was always like a loss to me because I feel like we we, <laughs> just, we played badly. I, I don't think it was anything to hang your hat on. But uh, that's all the players. Uh, we're going to talk about the team as well over over the course of the season. What would you grade them? Obviously, it's uh it's almost in this first half of the season. It's, it's a tale of two halves. For the first half. You know, we're winning points um, while our performance wasn't great. And in the second half, we haven't been playing well in our performance. Uh, uh, no points, you know, I think four points out of the last six. Yeah, overall, it's it's in that sort of C territory. Um, we, we, <laughs> we sometimes forget how good we've had it this season. I think yeah. I mentioned this last week. Um, you know, we've been pretty spoiled. We, we, we hold all the trophies right now. And I think, you know, because of that, we need to look at things a little bit more favourably and have a bit of faith in the team and Kev that they will get us back on track. Yeah, I think I'm a very harsh marker. I'm, I'm, I'm such a reactionary person. I'm like, <laughs> every week I'm like, yeah, we're going to be okay, and then shit, and then we'll be okay. Um, I guess I'm willing to have faith in the team that we'll, we'll pull it back. You know, as you said, we, we did declare the, the premiership dead and buried last week, but we are only, what, six or seven points away? Yeah. Um, so maybe. I, I'm, I'm willing to have faith with you, Dave. Let's hope, you know, for the sake of our podcast as well, because it'll get boring if our podcast... <laughs> uh, the podcast will get boring if we start losing more matches. So hopefully we march on, we uh, we get into it. Victory's medal now, that's obviously the uh, the best and fairest equivalent of, uh, of football. Who would you rate right now? I think uh, a, a few players have been informed, but no one consistently enough to have an outright favourite for the victory medal. Who would you be your tip right now? Yeah, it's a tough one, um, but I think on balance across the, what is it, 13 games mm-hmm. we've had so far, I'd probably say Guy Finkler would lead the club um, overall, I think he's been the most consistent yep. out of all of our players. You know, Garia wouldn't be too far behind him, though, I reckon. Yeah. I'm going to say Barbarous. I'd say, I'd say he'd just have such a huge lead after the first six or seven weeks of the season that he's okay. getting reeled back a little bit now. But I think at the halfway point of the season, he'd be in front at the victory medal as it stands. So that's uh, that's the play gradings for the first half of the year. We'll probably do that again at the end of the year as well, I Why think. Why not? That was good. Thanks for your extensive work, Dave. That was all very good. All good, mate. Okay, let's uh, let's roll on to Victory's Secret. Mmm, Victory's Secret. We have struck January, and with that, the the uh, the transfer window opens. We don't think we, off on the surface, Victory shouldn't be such big players in this with uh, with a pretty tacked, uh, packed salary cap. Dave, what have you got on updates on on some squad changes for for January? So we're led to believe that Wilkinson and Troisi are still names that we're sort of looking at. Do you even know um, how that would work? No, but. It would obviously mean there'd have to be departures. Yeah. So these are players that um, we'd, I don't know, try and have to fit in somehow. I think Kev would obviously have a view to the Asian Champions League and, and you know, whether whether or not there's a way we can swing some sort of loan deal at all with one of these guys or some kind of arrangement, I don't know. Um, I can confirm pretty much that we have now signed Jai Ingham, who we mentioned a week or so yep. ago. He's the Hume City player um, who... Should really bring a lot of pace to the to the club. Um, he's known for it, so that really uh, puts Connor Payne's spot in in some jeopardy. And you know, hopefully that results in some more competition for for, for uh, spaces in the side in the first eleven. And I think you know, 
a, a player like him. It just might bring something different to the squad. It's good to re-energise things anyway and just bring in new personnel. Yeah, as we spoke about before, I'm, I'm not really sure how that works with the A-League rules on releasing a player, like terminating their contract by mutual consent and whether you have to keep them on the books or not because I would say there's there's certainly no um, salary, salary cap space left this season. So if you're looking to sign a Tracy or a, um, a Wilkinson, um, obviously we've spoken about Wilkinson in the past, if he's if he's going to be signed, it's going to be off the A-League salary cap, it's going to be an Asian Champions yeah, League so deal. Yeah, so the, the A-League squad registration is a different entity to the players that we register for the Asian Champions League. So there is no salary cap consideration for the Asian Champions League. Um, and, you know, maybe Jai Ingham is a part of that. You know, maybe we, you know, utilise him in the league and give other senior players, you know, a, a, a bit more of a a bit more of a chance in the Asian Champions League. Maybe the directive from the club is that this time we take the Asian yeah. Champions League a lot more seriously. Yeah, maybe Tracy could be a loan deal is what you're talking about as well. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest, but I do know that they're names that are still floating around yeah. uh, on, on Melbourne Victory's agenda. I had a look at Tracy's uh, Wikipedia article the other day. I'm really um, surprised by the fact that he's only spent you know, one or two years at each club. He's 27, 28 years old now. He really needs to buckle down and actually get settled and you know in, in one team for an extended period of time because I feel like it's hurting his his career almost. He's always I wouldn't say wasted a career, but he's just he's you know floating from club to club. Um, you know, Juventus aren't going to pick him up. Obviously, they've they've thrown yeah, away. That ship has sailed. Yeah, yeah, he just needs to you know focus on on one league, one team, and you know just you know get a get a career carved out for himself. Because right now it seems like he's wasting his career. Yeah, almost. I mean we're talking about the player who scored the winner yeah. of the Asian in the Asian Cup final. You know, so there's got to be suitors out there. And uh, yeah, he ended up in the Middle East. But you know, as as we've discussed, players tend to sort of disappear in the Middle East. Yeah. You don't really hear much about what's going on. Yeah. So moving away from the uh, the, the changes of uh, of squad for this for the January period, you got some uh, some some gossip, yeah, some, some locker room gossip. Uh, yeah, just a few things that have filtered through in the last sort of twenty four hours. We know for a fact that Kev is absolutely stoked with Thomas Deng's progress, as we all are, um, and you know alongside that. Um, we know that Jason Guerrier has just been maturing as a footballer over the last sort of 12 months and really starting to excel at this level. Um, we're hearing some whispers that uh, he could be the subject of some international interest from outside of Australia. Um, obviously, it wouldn't be that great for us if he were to go, but, um, yeah, he's a contracted player. Anyone wanting to uh, acquire young Jason would have to show us the money and yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with most of January still to go and maybe in the off season as well yeah I think I don't think the victory let him go in January but I think the off season is certainly a chance for some overseas Raiders to get to get their hands on on Jason Guerrier now uh last night Something funny happened. Yeah, Bessart Barisha was uh, had the ball and he, he went to pass it and he tripped over himself and everyone thought it was pretty funny, including Connor Payne. Bessart Barisha didn't think it was too funny though and he didn't like uh, Connor's Payne rea- Connor's Payne reaction to it. We know for a fact that Bessart gave Connor Payne an absolute dressing down in the sheds. Uh, Bess was not happy at the. <laughs> <laughs> You don't amused reaction, amused reaction of Connor Payne when that incident happened in the second half. But um, yeah, I think Bessart told him what he thought of that. 
Yeah, it's very it's very risky to laugh at anyone from that particular part of Europe because there's not too much uh, there's not too much humour around that area. <laughs> so painting uh, a very drab picture yeah. of the Balkans, there, mate. <laughs> Certainly, watch out for uh, for Pesat Parisha. Uh, don't laugh at him, especially when you're kind of pain because you 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 want some game time and you don't want to you don't want to tick off the wrong person, do you? Indeed. of our uh, sponsors on For Buck's Sake is the No Fix Address Walking Tours. They are a social enterprise offering unique walking tours of Melbourne's inner suburbs. The tour guides are disadvantaged people trying to get back on their feet and they will take you through a part of Melbourne that's different to what you've ever seen before with some stories that remain untold. You can find them on Facebook um, by searching No Fix Address Tours or, or also on their website which is nfatours.com.au. I got that wrong last week, so Rev, who uh, is the proprietor of No Fix Address Tours, I hope you're happy with that little shout-out there. Uh, a few di- different tidbits to finish off the show. Um, Darren Frayne's memorial, or well, not a memorial, yeah. but a, a bit of a get-together yesterday for the game at uh, one of his favourite favorite pre-game haunts, um, 1994, sorry, uh, bar 94. Uh, and they're also raising some money for charity, Dave, as well. Yeah, so we mentioned last week um, the, the tragic passing of Darren Frayne, um, as Jace has just talked about um, at Bar 94 in Richmond. There were hundreds of people who showed up just to celebrate Darren's life. Um, and, you know, from what I hear, an amazing 3,000 or so was raised yesterday. You know, as everyone that knew Darren sort of gathered gathered there, um, by all reports, a really amazing, uplifting day and a real tribute to, to a bloke that many uh, of the Vuck supporters loved. Um, we just want to say that you can also chip in and money is being donated to a cause online. Uh, it's the Jodie O'Shea Orphanage in memory of Darren Frayne. And uh, I'll just read out the website URL. If you don't remember this URL, though, you can go to the supporters section of the mvfc.net what forum. I'll, what I'll do as well is I'll also put it up on the front yeah. page of uh, the MelbourneVictory.net nice. website um, with this podcast as well. So it's 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 on my cause. It's www.mycause, or one word, .com.au backslash page backslash one one six nine one one yeah don't worry about that we'll yeah you probably won't up. remember that but yeah. anyway um we we just want to draw attention to that i think it, it really speaks to just how we are a community you know one of our own um struggles you know or passes you know we, we get around each other and, and make sure that it's not all in vain. Yeah, exactly. And a shout-out to Lils as well, who uh, is one of Darren's uh, dear friends who's organising this. And I believe that the charity is, is taking care of, you know, buying um, soccer apparel for orphans in, in Bali, I believe it is. So, awesome. Um, it's a really great cause and it's great that uh, 
that you know something like this um darren darren friends of awful passing could obviously be a catalyst for something really positive um in in a lot of people's lives especially orphans um overseas so that's a really great really great initiative and well done to lils on that as well uh what else we got in terms of little tidbits as well Um, just a little side note on our mate uh james smith yeah still rocking he was our guest you may recall listeners on the asian champions league special the travel guide James got engaged on uh, New Year's Day. Yeah, well done to James. He's uh, he's in his he's approaching. He's well into his thirties now. Yeah. So it was. It took him a while to pop the question. He's been with his lovely fiance now, um, Christy, <laughs> for for six or seven years. So it's yeah. good to see him finally pop that question. On and, you, mate. Um, I'm looking forward to that Bucks party and subsequent wedding as well. <laughs> um, I wanted to add another thing as well. I had a, a, a forum and get in contact with me. Um, just do a bit of a public service announcement. Just a, a call to arms for players for the upcoming football season at the Riversdale Soccer Club. Um, um, so they're a community club that's on the move with an emphasis on their junior program. They're located in Camberwell and Glen Iris and they're seeking juniors that wish to improve their skill base without the cost of NPL fees. The club has a documented training program delivered by experienced coaching staff and they're interested in forming a girls squad as well for the under 8, 10 and 12 age groups for the coming 2016 season. Uh, the competitively priced registration fees with an emphasis on technical improvement for the kids. If you're interested to learn more, you can get onto the forum um, and contact Dicanio Magic. So Dicanio, D-I-C-A-N-I-O Magic. Or you can email registrations at riversdalesc.com.au. I'll also put a bit of a link up with the podcast as well in, in conjunction with Darren Frain's um, charity link as well. So yep. if you're interested in that. Um, and yeah, obviously getting some kids involved in football, which is good. Yeah, get around local football. Yeah, and uh, we'll look forward to the next game. It's a, it's a Friday night match. Are you going to go down to Geelong oh, for the I game? I won't be going to Geelong. No. Um, no, you, know. you know what they've got wrong with this? I think it's great that they take the game to Geelong and all that kind of stuff, but they don't don't put it on a Friday night at 7 o'clock or 7.30 because yep. people finish work at 5 o'clock. I know it's still holidays for the vast majority of people, but some people do actually have work as well. So it's uh, it's only hurting the crowd. I think if you put it on a Saturday afternoon, you know, Saturday night, you might get a bit more there. Well, let's uh, hope the, the people of Geelong, the ones who you know, may, may not often get to a, a victory game in the Melbourne CBD, uh, make their way through to... Uh, what is it called now? It always changes. Skilled Stadium. Skilled Stadium. God, yeah. It's got some lights now. It's a, it's okay. a pretty good stadium. It's been recently renovated. Um, still not a great venue for watching football, no. but it's all about the development of the game in Geelong. Do you think Geelong will ever get an A-League team? No. No. I don't no. think so. No, because um, so many football fans from Geelong are Melbourne Victory fans. That's true. Yeah, and like they just put more teams in Sydney anyway. Bef- you know, before we know it, it'll be the uh, the <laughs> S League, the Sydney League. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! What do you reckon about the game anyway? Uh, oh yeah, well, it's a good opportunity for us to really. Uh, we've hammered this home already. It's a good opportunity for us to re- resurrect our season. Um, you know, Central Coast is coming off a very rare win, uh, but in all honesty, I, I don't actually know how they won that game against the. Phoenix, um, old mate O'Donovan with that headbutt will um, probably be missing this yeah, he's game. He's been cited today, so he'll be uh, he'll be off. He to might the miss a couple months for that yeah. uh, if he's lucky. Um, but look, it is a danger game. Even if Central Coast were sort of lucky to overcome the Phoenix, I think it, it is a danger game. Um, Mitch Austin is a young player, you know, he's got lots of pace, and he'll really test out uh, the right fullback, whoever that ends up being, because Gary will obviously be. Away, and um, so Georgievsky will have his hands full. But on the other side, it's Ferreira, you know, who's back, Fabio Ferreira, great player. He'll be terrorising poor uh, Dylan Manane. And um, so those fullbacks for, you know, on both sides for us will have their hands full. But, yeah, it's probably out wide where Central Coast are 
strongest because it's not just the fullbacks in sorry it's not just those wingers but it's also um Storm Roo and Josh Rose they they they're pretty good so i think yeah we shouldn't take them lightly we need to be vigilant control the game and not allow for them to catch us on the break. You make a good point there because if Finkler's still out as well and Gary is gone, um, Deng's gone, we're going to be missing quite a few I of our first I think Finkler stars. will be okay yeah, from hopefully. what I'm hearing because it, it said one week on the injury report list. So yeah. if that's to be believed, he will be back in the starting lineup. So yeah. look, Central Coast, Central Coast have this kid in goals at the moment, Heward, Heward Bell, um, hyphenated name, um, who dead set looks like he's 16 years yeah. old. Um, we've got to right. we've got to ensure that we take full advantage of that sort of lack of experience, not just at the back but at midfield. You know, they're they're, they're pretty light on in the midfield as well. So, uh, look, we should actually dominate and and win this game on paper. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, with Central Coast disregard for defence, I would say like a year ago we were bang six or seven past these guys. But I'm not too sure given how yeah. how our attackers at the moment. But this might be a good chance to play them back into form. I think it's because it's in Geelong, you yeah, know, which is effect- effectively just down the road for us. But it's quite a trek for yeah. the people of Gosford. Um, we should win this. I'm yeah. going to say 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. Yeah, I'm going to say 2-0 as well. Hopefully we get back, uh, we'll continue to get uh, get our names on the winners list. Yeah. That'll be it for us this week. Um, we'll have a guest next week. But uh, Dave and I had some fun, didn't we? Certainly did, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll see you next week. And uh, hopefully everyone had a good New Year's. And uh, hopefully if you're on holidays, you enjoy the rest of the week before you go back next week. But uh, for now, it's goodbye. Until next time.